Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. On Wednesday, July the 14th, our top story is that a large fire has gutted a popular bar and restaurant in the centre of Maidstone. Crews were called to Moo Moo on Week Street at about half two this morning. Our reporter, Mary Graham, was among the first on the scene. Many will know the name. It's been a long-established venue in Maidstone for many years. Um, But a huge response has seen firefighters from around about 15 fire engines rush to the scene. Um, Many are still at the scene at the moment. There are currently three jets of water fighting the fire. Um, Some fire crews have taken to a crane to fight the fire from above. They're in Brewer Street, where Brewer Street meets Week Street, um, while other crews uh, are using two jets right in front of the building in Week Street. Um, Maidstone East Station is running as normal. Um, Trains are still running as normal for anybody who needs the station. Um, There's also a command support unit set up for firefighters, ambulance crews and police. So there's a separate cordon that runs at the sort of in front of the plaza at County Hall. Um, The top end of Week Street by Maidstone East Station running down towards the Tesco Express store. That's where the main cordon is of in Week Street. This area is quite a pedestrianised area, so it doesn't appear yet to be causing any um, any kind of problems with public transport. Um, but we know so far the fire broke out around about 2.30 a.m. this morning. Um, fire crews sent a huge response initially 15 fire engines and indications from the firefighters at the scene is that the building has been very very severely damaged possibly there's not much left of the building as mary said it was a big response from firefighters david harris is from kent fire and rescue service on arrival it was a really well developed fire uh, so crews went into battle to, to hold it and we went up to, to make up to 15 fire appliances um, to help contain the fire and extinguish it. Uh, within that we also had a hype vehicle to get over the top to, to get the reach in to extinguish it. We also made use of our drone has been really positive for us in terms of being able to go over the top, provide an overview of the building so really conscious of spread to neighbouring properties so we could get good oversight of that and use the thermal imagery on there to help direct our firefighting operations. 15 crews sounds like a, a pretty big operation is it does that go to show I suppose the scale uh, actually of this fire? Yeah it's obviously it's a significant fire with potential to be, to be a lot worse and it's really important that we get the hit in and hold it so it doesn't spread to neighbouring properties. It's a large building we're working with a building inspector see what areas of the building are safe cutting away, damping down hot spots and then looking towards fire investigation. You touched on it briefly but obviously you've got the fire there, you can see some, some buildings either side of it, massive building here, how, many, how much of an, an onus was it really to, to ensure that this didn't spread? Yeah it was, a, it was a key priority of us, once we understood that there's no risk of life, our predominant one is to ensure that we contain the fire and, and make it uh, safe and not spread to neighbouring properties. That was going to be my next question, in terms of anyone, uh, injuries, anything like that, do we know at this stage? No, we've been really fortunate, we've had no casualties reported to us and no injuries on the fire ground with firefighters. Nikki Waterman lives very near Moomoo and was woken by the fire in the early hours. She's been speaking to Lucy. It sounded like a, a popping noise, so um, I kind of like looked out my window and then my friend phoned me and she said to me, oh look, like, 
it's, it's on fire, it's on fire. And I didn't really understand what she meant. So I went up and, and went to her flat and um, looked at her window and it was kind of a, a little fire in like what looked like the back garden. And then literally from zero to 10 within like one second, it just erupted onto the roof. Um, and yeah, it just, from there, it, it just went all the way onto the roof. At first it, it did worry because of all the smoke and everything. And as um, the fire was gradually getting bigger, there was more smoke and uh, yeah, it was just crazy. And it was really horrible just to sit there, watch and not be able to do anything or help in any way. We were told to stay in our buildings and um, not to leave our windows open. So the, the, there were the odd people that were going down and having a look and you know taking teas and coffees down to the firemen. But um, yeah, we, we all just stayed in our building. And what was the response like from from the fire crews? Was it quite quick, and and how many were there? It, it was quite quick. It's it's the quickest that I've I've seen any response um, go to go to a fire. But um, everything just happened really fast, and I'd say they they were there within between three to five minutes. I think it it, it maybe have been quicker. But um, at first there were like four to five fire engines, and then literally out of nowhere. That I, I counted about 15 to 16 fire engines and that was from what I could see it was from every department from the fire service they got there just after half past two and um we were literally just standing let's sit standing on the window just kind of looking out and we went downstairs a couple of times during the night and asked if they wanted any teas or coffees if there's anything we could do or any help and anything I've, I've been in there several times before it got rebuilt and re repainted and everything and um, I went in there a couple of weeks ago and it's absolutely amazing. Like the food is delicious, the, the staff, and it's, um, it's really sad. My heart goes out to them. And it's kind of at, at times like this that we need to pull together as a community because like they, they've been running that for a very long time. And I do hope that um, whatever damage is, has been done, that it can get hopefully rebuilt and, and, and back to how it once was before lockdown's being lifted as well and and they've like I know all hospitality have struggled throughout all lockdown and everything and hope I was hoping that the 19th of July would be like a fresh start for all businesses and things but um, unfortunately not not for Moomoo's at the moment. The owner of Trash or Treasure which is next door to Moomoo has told Kent Online their shop had not been affected as far as they were aware but had to remain closed today. Pets Corner which is directly opposite the bar is the only property that's open within the cordon area as they have access via a back door. Councillor David Nagy represents the area where Moomoo is based. He's described it as the town's best nightclub and restaurant and says it's very sad that it won't be there when Covid restrictions are lifted next week. Well many people have posted on Facebook that they had events taking place there in the coming weeks. The owner of Moomoo is Kieran O'Quigley, who was on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about the increasing problem of people not showing up for bookings. Now, people may be thinking, well, look, you know, a couple of spare tables here and there, it doesn't hurt. But on a Saturday night, Saturday night is the time that, uh, not that we rake the money in, um, it's literally to try and pay bills, it's to try and keep our head above water. Remember that this industry, the hospitality industry, is completely on its knees. You know, we're trying to come out of, um, you know, a closure. Parts of our business have been closed for 15 months. It's a long time, and I know it's been very difficult for everybody. It really has. But I think if you're making a booking at any time, for a restaurant you should have the common decency that if you're not going to turn up 
to, um, to inform that establishment, to give them a chance to resell that table. But especially on the back end of what we're coming out of, we would have thought there would be more sympathy to restaurants and people making an extra effort to inform um, uh, restaurants. And that is not happening. So the knock-on effect is that uh, we can't pay government loans back as quickly as we need to. Um, and also there's a knock-on effect for the waiters and waitresses as well, because you know if half your restaurant doesn't turn up, those waiters and waitresses that need to pay um, their rent and their wages need to be released earlier and so it affects their wages so there is a bit of a knock There have also been loads of posts on socials about how sad everyone is. Abba Sheik tribute band said they had regularly performed at the venue over the last six years and are gutted to hear this sad news. Apollo Taxis added that the Quigley family have supported them for the last 10 years describing them as genuine, hard-working, generous and an asset to Maidstone. Well we have as I'm sure you can appreciate plenty of pictures and video from the scene. We've got aerial shots where you can really see the devastation that the fire has caused. We've also got details of any road closures that are remaining in place at the moment at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. A teenager from Gravesend has been charged with murder after a 15-year-old boy was stabbed to death in south-east London. Tamin Ian Habimana was killed in Woolwich last Monday evening. 19-year-old Daryl Bethel is due in court later. Four other teenagers have also been charged over the attack. A man who attacked someone with a wrench during a fight in Tunbridge has been jailed for almost four years. Harry Mansfield was also armed with a samurai sword when he lured the victim to a park last December following a row over a woman. The 22-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address, admitted several charges. Latest figures show COVID deaths and hospitalisations in Kent remain low despite a huge rise in cases. About 3,600 people tested positive in the week to last Thursday, which is an increase of more than 1,000 compared to the previous seven days. Two-thirds of adults across the county are now fully vaccinated and 15 patients are in hospital with the virus. Two deaths were recorded in the week to July the 2nd. MPs have backed plans to make Covid vaccines, meantime, compulsory for care home staff in England. From October, they'll need to have both jabs unless they're medically exempt. Care Minister and Faversham MP Helen Waitley says care home residents are particularly vulnerable to illnesses. clock is ticking towards winter and a potential combination of COVID and flu. And the problem with inaction and waiting for more time is that inaction costs lives. The government was criticised for not publishing an impact assessment of the policy. South Thanet's Craig McKinley joined Labour in voting against the measures. Charities say politicians voting to cut spending on foreign aid will cost lives in the poorest nations. Parliament's backed a reduction to 0.5% of national income after the government said the pandemic means the country can't afford any more. The MPs for Gillingham and Raynham, Tunbridge and Morling, North Thanet and Ashford voted against the cuts. A former Gillingham footballer is calling for clubs to have points deducted if their fans are caught being racist. Goalkeeper Jason Brown has been subjected to abuse in the past and says it's now time to get tough on the problem. If you have an instance like we've seen plenty of times on Sky Sports and various different TV channels, when they do the zoom in on the player, you see someone doing a stupid monkey chant behind. 
I think if that type of thing happens, you get one warning in the next one, you deduct the club three points. He's been speaking after some of England's team were targeted following their Euro 2020 final defeat at the weekend. And you can hear plenty more of Jason's chat by clicking on the podcast section of Kent Online. Kent Online reports. A teenager who was involved in a racist attack that left a German student with brain damage in Canterbury has avoided jail. Daniel Ezzedine was brutally assaulted in the city centre in June 2019 and now needs specialist care. A court's heard how 19-year-old Leon Thurston, who now lives in Dubai, set the tone for the attack. He's been given a suspended sentence in a young offenders institution. Nine other young people have previously been convicted. More than £40 million has been spent on helping people with smoking-related illness illnesses in Kent so far this year. According to data from Action on Smoking and Health, Medway was the local authority that had to fork out the most, followed by Swale, Thanet, Folkestone and Hythe and Ashford. The campaign group's calling for tobacco companies to be made to pay a levy for the support needed to end smoking in the country by 2030. Recycling bin collections in part of Kent have been missed again after two weeks of suspended rounds. It's been a delay in Tunbridge and Morning because of a shortage of truck drivers. Collections were due to resume on Monday, but some residents say their rubbish still wasn't taken. A former home-based store in Canterbury that's been empty for more than two years is finally going to reopen. A building supplies firm has taken over the site on the Windcheap Industrial Estate. It's set to open its doors in September. The beach is going to be back at Blue water from this weekend. As well as the sand, there'll be fairground rides, a cocktail bar and new water-based activities. It's opening just in time for the school holidays and hopefully some sunny weather. And on the eve of one of the biggest sporting events to come to Kent, we've been finding out how the town where it's happening is preparing. The Open Golf Championship is being staged at Royal St George's in Sandwich a year later than planned. Up to 32,000 fans are expected every day from tomorrow after it was confirmed as a test event. Richard Harris runs the Fleur de Lis pub. Hopefully it's going to bring a few extra more people in. It's going to be a boom to the town. Uh, much needed after this year of COVID. I see you've got rooms available. I mean, uh, are you fully booked? Yeah, we're fully booked um, with a corporate client. Um, but we're still open to the public as well. Uh, would you say this is Sandwich's biggest week since 2011 when the tournament was last here? Well, it's going to be very different, obviously, because of COVID and there's lots of other restrictions. Um, it's certainly going to be a big week, but um, obviously it could have been better if COVID wasn't around. Australia will be diminished because of COVID. It's going to cause problems. No, I think every single pub and restaurant will be full, you know, yeah. um, full to our capacity limits. Um, so, yeah, it's still going to be a, a good thing for the town. Paul Graham is the mayor of Sandwich. I think the Open for Sandwich will be quite an event as it was uh, back in 2011. It brings an enormous amount of people into the town, both in the short term, and it's known that at least 56% of people who come to the Open will return to Sandwich within the two-year period. Right. So we've all got to consider not only the short-term benefits that we may accrue from it, but also the long-term benefits that uh, apply. Right. And do, do you think uh, the, the restrictions of COVID that are still there which don't come to an end to the day after the tournament ends. Is there going to be any effect uh, on this uh, tournament, especially the end of the town? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, most, well, all the people in town, all traders in the town, obviously are observing the um, COVID uh, regulations, but I'm sure that uh, um, all restaurants and pubs and hotels will be full. Right. At least. I'm told they are fully booked. Any other thoughts on this? Um, I think it's a tremendous event for Sandwich and it's been very well organised in conjunction with 
ourselves, Dover District Council and Kent County Council, and of course the RNA, who are the uh, main uh, organisers. But David Short from the Strand Street Kitchen won't be opening his business while it's on. Well, we're closing for, for most of it, uh, basically because we've, uh, having looked at the restrictions that Dover Council have put in place for, uh, for the open, um, we think that there'll be very few people who can want to or even able to get into the centre of Sandwich during the, during the golf. Um, they seem the to be... you mean? During the daytime. Yeah. They seem to be doing their very best to, uh, to, to make the centre of Sandwich into a ghost town. Uh, I mean, for example, this road here, there's, there's no parking whatsoever. Um, you're going to need a, a permit to get into certain parts of Sandwich. And uh, um, we, we think that actually it'll, uh, we'll get nobody from the Gulf because there's, there's a whole, almost like a village of concessions at the uh, golf course and I, and we think that the locals will be put off trying to come into the centre of Sandwich either be believing that it's going to be clogged which I don't think it will be or that it'll be impossible to park or impossible to actually get in without a permit and so um, it, it, because it costs us a lot of money just to put the key in the door We've decided for at least for four days next week we're, uh, we're going to close. Kent Online Sport. Rory McElroy believes the law of averages would suggest he will eventually win a fifth golf major. The former world number one is hoping to win a second title at the Open when it gets underway at Royal St George's tomorrow. He's been telling Sky Sports News he's fed up of having to answer questions about why his last big victory was back in 2014. I'm fed up with it too in terms of it has been seven years, right? Like I'm trying my nuts off to, to, to win another major championship. It's not for lack of trying or dedication or commitment or anything else. I mean, I, I've had my chances. And in athletics, Kent's Adam Jamili has been beaten by two of his GB teammates in the 100 metres at Gateshead. The sprinter from Dartford finished eighth in the Diamond League event last night with a time of 10.21 seconds. It was his last race before he heads to Tokyo for the Olympics. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.